You're listening to episode 138 of the Fits Pro podcast, and today is going to be for trainees and trainers. We are going over four aspects of programming to consider for better muscle or strength gains, and those are two different things which we will get into, but these are four very simple things you can do with specific examples within like an actual program that you can alter in order to get better results from your training. So if that applies to you, let's go ahead and dive in. The FitzPro Podcast is your no BS approach to seeking out truth in the world that is online health and fitness. You'll see through the lens of the trainer, the trainee, and the entrepreneur. I'm your host, Annie Miller, certified strength and conditioning specialist, entrepreneur, lover of sleep, lattes, and dinosaurs, aka not your average FitzPro. And my aim is to help you grow your mind, body, and business through knowledge and authenticity so that you too can become a FitzPro. As usual, I will encourage you to join my free on-demand workshop, Your Biz Your Way, Three Steps to Build a Profitable Online Health and Fitness Business. If you are in the realm of online health and fitness and you are wanting to build a reputable, sustainable brand and business, you can register for that at anniemiller.co slash workshop dash register. And that is in the show notes as well. That link, you can access it there. While you are over on the site, you can also check out my resources page, which is just anniemiller.co slash resources. And that is where you can find all of my free downloads, PDFs, groups that you can join in order to learn more, whether you are a trainee, a trainer, or an entrepreneur. I would also, of course, like to thank Legion Athletics, which are the number one brand of all natural sports supplements in the world. They are the only supplements that I use. I use them both for my workout supplements is what I would consider like my creatine, protein, pre-workout, And then also I use them for my daily vitamins that I take, a multivitamin, fish oil, immune support, joint support, so on and so forth. As I always say, my favorite thing about them is that they have 100% formula transparency. A lot of companies might claim scientifically backed, but Legion is actually backed by science and it is it is transparent for you to see as a consumer, which I am all about. So go to buylegion.com and use code Annie at checkout to save 20% off your first order. Or if you already love Legion, if you support them, if you purchased from them in the past, you can use code Annie to get double Legion reward points. As I mentioned in the intro of this podcast, building muscle and building strength are not the same thing or not always the same thing, but the topics that we discussed today can certainly help with both of these. So there is certainly carryover between building muscle and building strength. And let us remember that muscle mass and having muscle mass is the potential for strength gains. So they are certainly related, like I said. With that, a bodybuilder's goal is to put on as much muscle mass as possible, of course, in the most balanced way possible, while a power, a power lifter or an Olympic lifter, a strength athlete of some kind, are working to get as strong as possible within their respective sports. In these athletes, the bodybuilders, right, the physique competitors versus the strength athletes are going to have training that can look very different. So let's go ahead and look at four aspects of your training and or programming that can affect your muscular gains, your hypertrophy and or strength gains. And that can be for yourself or that of a client based on your programming. Take what makes sense, apply what you can apply and leave the rest per usual. All of these aspects are after one 
thing. So keep that in mind as we move forward. We are after mechanical tension and progressive mechanical tension. Adding new mechanical tension to the muscle or the muscle groups that you're trying to grow. That does not mean more time under tension, though that can be one way to add mechanical tension is through time under tension. You will see that load and other demands like range of motion or angles used also add mechanical tension. So that is what I want you to kind of keep in mind as we move forward through these four aspects of training. First up is my personal favorite, and that is tempo. Tempo, in short, is the amount of time spent in each phase of movement. So you're lowering, you're ascending, your top and bottom positions. Those can also be referred to as the lengthening phase being the eccentric phase or the shortening phase being the concentric phase. And then we have our top and bottom positions in most movements. Obviously, if we add time to any of these phases, we increase the time under tension, the literal amount of time your muscles spend working. That is if other factors like sets and reps, your volume remain the same. I also encourage you to keep in mind load when adding time to tempo, when increasing our time under tension, keep load in mind due to more time under tension, the load may need to come down. This is very, very, very dependent on the amount of time that is added and what the scheduled RPE or intensity is for this given movement. But if we are attempting to add muscle, we definitely want to change the tempo to be a new challenging stimulus. That is the point after all. For instance, if the previous programming in the last phase was four by four at 85 pounds on a two one 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 tempo, and you want to alter the tempo to add time under tension, that might look like four by four, at the same 85 pounds on a tempo of 2211. We've now added one second of tension per rep at the same load and volume. Are we tracking? That is a tiny change with a very different experience and stimulus. And that is the simplicity that we are after or the simplicity that I am after with programming and what I share with you. That simplicity that can be highly effective. From a client perspective, this also changes just enough to not get bored. On paper, there is barely a change at all, especially at first glance, right? The literal change that we made was adding one second to the tempo. That was it. The exercise, the volume, the load, the rest is all the same. We just added one second per rep. That's it. So now they're effectively doing pause squats or bench on the tempo that I shared. Two, two, one, one. So two down, two seconds at the bottom or at the chest, and then powering out of that with one second at the top. This is what I want coaches to understand about program design. More often than not, very little change is needed to create change of stimulus. And change of stimulus or increased stimulus is what we are after when it comes to mechanical tension and what everyone wants to elicit, which is progressive overload. So that covers slowing tempo down right? Adding time to tempo is slowing tempo down. You can be very extreme with that, you know, doing a five second eccentric or something along those lines, or you can also use tempo to add an explosive element to a movement. We know that muscle fibers respond to the demand that is imposed upon them. And there is potential to get after more type 2A and 2B muscle fibers by working explosively. I like to use intent here, like I mentioned with squats or powering out of the hole. 
on bench press, that would be powering off of the chest with bench. That is the intent. In tempo, you can add an X or a zero, some kind of indicator to let the client know that you want them to have speed and power out of a given position. So speed and or velocity is the goal with this decreased tempo, with that explosive piece of tempo. All right, now let's go ahead and move on to one of the most basic aspects of training that one can use to alter a stimulus. That would be volume. Though we won't dive into both of these, I do want you to keep in mind overall workload or volume for a given session, as well as the volume that you're progressing exercise to exercise, phase to phase. So that's kind of the the micro volume is just per exercise, but then we have more of a macro volume, which is per workout. So the focus right now is how many sets and reps are you or your client completing for a given exercise? That's what we're looking at. Like tempo, you can change nothing else but sets and reps. Add a set or add a rep per set with the goal of keeping factors like load and rest the same. This is likely not going to work for a more advanced lifter, and I'm not speaking in absolutes here, but it can be a very easy way to progress a newer or even intermediate lifter. With that, I will say anecdotally that I follow many competitors in the physique realm who can handle insane amounts of volume and regularly increase their volume as a factor of their training, even being 15 plus years into their career. So don't sleep on the simplicity of adding time under tension and adding volume to get an increase in that stimulus of mechanical tension. From a practical standpoint, this works for a large compound movement or single joint, more isolated movements that might be considered accessory work. You can absolutely zoom out and look at weekly volume by hitting a given muscle group another time per week. So two sessions versus one session per week, increasing that overall volume within your week. If you or a client is wanting to work a certain pattern like squats, or currently in my own training, I'm doing hip thrusts three days a week. I'm spreading out volume over three days and I'm able to get a larger stimulus for that muscle group by doing so. Or, you know, maybe a client wants to grow their deltoids. There's a specific area of the body that you are wanting to grow. With that, there is no rule against adding more work specific to those desires via simply adding more weekly volume with those areas of the body. Hopefully that is pretty simple, easy to understand. The next aspect that you can consider is possibly the most obvious, most popular, and I would say the most coveted, especially by newer lifters. Number three is your load, your intensity, your RPE, your RIR, however you want to say it. It is how much weight, is likely going to be on the bar. Especially in the last three years or so, I like to think of load as either the actual weight on the bar, like I said, or the scheduled stimulus when it comes to the demand of effort. That piece can be better communicated through RPE or RIR. 
If you have never heard of these or you need a reminder, RPE is simply rate of perceived exertion. RIR is reps in reserve, and those can often go hand in hand. It makes more sense with reps in reserve when we are getting towards, you know, some a weight that you can determine, I have three reps left. I have two reps left in the tank. It is less accurate if we're working at a weight that is so low that we have like five plus reps left. So staying with the theme of keeping everything the same apart from one factor, that applies to the load, the factor that we're currently discussing. Adding load in order to add tension to a muscle is fairly straightforward. This will also become exponentially more difficult to do as you become a more advanced lifter with your strength and your abilities. That's why I wish Globo gyms and maybe CrossFit gyms, I don't really know because I don't go to CrossFit gyms, but I just wish gyms in general, I wish people in general, had access to smaller weights than 2.5s. It can be so incredibly helpful to have 1.25 and 0.5 pound plates when looking to progress load, especially when looking at upper body. Making a five pound jump on near maximal loads for upper body is a massive jump. That's like, that is adding so much weight to an upper body lift, especially. Adding one singular pound would be ideal for so many lifters, but often we have to alter other factors of programming to make up for the lack of access to those smaller increases in load. If I find that a lifter, one of my clients, is getting close to, you know, maximal reps at say three to five reps, maximal loads rather at three to five reps, and it looks as though they're ready to add a pound or two to increase that RPE or to hit the scheduled RPE, I will play with factors like tempo in order to increase the stimulus until we are ready to make that five pound weight jump, which is just so massive. You can also play with things like back offsets in order to increase the stimulus. So finish the heavy working sets of, you know, three to five reps, let's say, and then add a set or two of lighter burnout back offsets. Again, I am a huge fan of simplicity applied well. That is what I teach inside my pure programming course. I launched that recently and really what we are discussing today is little snippets of that course, right? And that is where I think the simplicity is where you get your quote unquote fancy from, is using simplicity really well. Oftentimes an athlete will get upset that they're not increasing weight as often as maybe they used to, or as they did when they first began, which I think is an important conversation to have with clients, just managing expectations and recognizing that you may be altering several different factors outside of load, that that's just one factor of training that we can manipulate in order to give new stimulus to our muscles. And to remember that the body understands stimulus, it's only going to adapt to the stimulus. It does not know if that stimulus was 95 pounds or 85 pounds. That is a very important conversation I think that coaches should have or seek to have with their clients. In thinking about the overall load of a session, I also like to remind my clients that if they increase weight in their main set, that their accessory sets may feel more difficult That's not definite, that's not guaranteed, but it can be an experience. So maybe they increased weight on bench press and then when they get to their push-ups or other accessory work, they feel more fatigued, the push-ups feel harder. 
And they might think to themselves, oh my gosh, I'm getting weaker. Why are these so hard? And it's important to put those pieces together, no matter how obvious they might see. That experience in and of itself can be discouraging, if you will. So that increase in load is just one part of a workout and increases the entire load of that workout without touching anything else. Now let's go ahead and move on to the last aspect of training, which is exercise selection, specifically range of motion and how many exercises, so the number of exercises. I am looking at exercise selection from these two points of view. A workout having four exercises can be just as purposeful as a workout that has eight exercises for the same muscle group movement patterns, however you're designing your workouts. The most important thing is that the program is doing what the program is designed to do. It is fulfilling the goal of the program. That's why we see very different approaches in the worlds of powerlifting or strength sports versus physique sports. I don't believe that certain exercises are limited to one purpose or one sport, but I do think that different approaches to training certainly benefit or elicit different results. There is a reason that bodybuilders try to hit a given muscle group from as many angles as possible. That is to recruit as many fibers as possible within that muscle. I am certainly biased towards range of motion for muscle development, for strength development, and for overall longevity of movement, joint health, for absolute strength. An astrograss squat is not going to be beneficial. It's not needed. We want to limit the range of motion and the demand of a muscle as much as possible when we are under maximal loads or attempting to move maximal loads, but that is not what most people are training for. So I want you to look at your overall program when looking at exercise selection. I personally try to have some level of unilateral work more than one plane of motion, and ensure that a client is getting into their end ranges or using a variety of ranges of motion. Again, that's looking at a bird's eye view of just the exercise selection portion within a workout. When looking at progressing from phase to phase, I like to look at angles used or overall range of motion. If you change nothing else, just like the other factors we talked about, you can change range of motion, you can change the grip, you can change the stance that you use or the angle that a muscle is being stressed from. And that will provide, in theory, a new stimulus or new mechanical tension for those muscle fibers being worked. Think about something as simple as pulling sumo deadlifts and then pulling sumo deadlifts from a deficit. You have increased that range of motion or doing a reverse lunge and then changing that exercise, same reps, same weights to a curtsy reverse lunge. So now this movement has a glute bias added to it. You could also play with the stance of a split squat, how wide that stance is front to back. And that will either favor more of a quad dominant movement or a glute dominant movement. You can look at using a supinated versus pronated grips for things like rows or a wide or narrow grip, right? There are tons of options here within just exercise variations that we can use to get a new stimulus for the muscles. These are very simple changes that we can make within a single movement pattern without changing load, tempo, or volume in order to get more and or different mechanical tension. So my hope is that going over these examples makes your life easier 
not more difficult. I hope you have more clarity and, you know, less confusion after listening to this episode. Simplicity, simplicity, simplicity is what we're after. How can you make your program more effective by using simplicity really well? And if you need assistance with that, obviously I encourage you to check out, join, get on the wait list, whatever suits you right now. Go to anniemiller.co slash pure-programming check out my programming course. I will put it in the show notes, whether you join or not. I hope that this episode served you well. Finally, if you do love the Fitzpro podcast, if you would like to support, go to iTunes, go to Spotify, give the show five stars and a written review. It is so appreciated. And if you are not on my main mailing list, you can choose between Annie's Daily Dose and Annie's Weekly Wisdom. Both of those can be found at anniemiller.co slash news. And there are exclusive podcast listener discounts at the bottom bottom of every email. So go ahead and check those out. Until next time, I am Andy Miller and thank you so much for listening to the Fitzpro podcast. Mm-hmm.